of God. It comes to us from Matthew, Matthew chapter 2, as I continue in my times with you to work my way and we working our way through this, the gospel of Matthew. Uh, we turn to chapter 2 and we read 18 through 22, 18 through 22, people of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Listen carefully. The disciples of John and the Pharisees were fasting. Then they came and said to him, Why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, or else the new piece pulls away from the old, and the tear is made worse. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine bursts the wineskins. The wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins. That ends the reading of God's holy inspired word. This time let us briefly go to the Lord in prayer, our gracious God and heavenly Father. We do thank you for every word that comes from the Lord Jesus. We thank you that he preached, that he taught. And he said some things which were so clear that the first time we heard it, the first time we read it, we knew immediately and we were convicted and we were led to repentance and we were led to greater faith. But we come to other times when we are perplexed by the words of the Lord Jesus and we do not immediately understand and we need the word read to us and preached to us and taught. And even then, we are perplexed by some of the things that he says. We pray that your word would be ringing in our ears we pray that your spirit would open our minds, open our hearts, that we might discern the truths that are found in your word. And we pray that Christ would have the glory in our lives and in the lives of those whom we touch. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In previous weeks, we have seen the Lord Jesus, and he has performed a number of signs and wonders. And the more signs and the more wonders that he does, the greater conflict, it seems, that he has between himself and the Pharisees, 
and also the scribes, and as we see even later, Sadducees as well, religious leaders of that time. They did not praise God for, for demons exercised. They did not praise the Lord for healed people. They sought how they might find fault with the Lord Jesus. Well, our passage today, it really does seem to be an honest question. You see, there are Pharisees, religious leaders of that day, very religious people, and there are also disciples of John the Baptist. And it seems they have a legitimate question. They say to the Lord Jesus, you realize we fast, that is the Pharisees fast, the, 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 the disciples of John the Baptist, they fast. Why do your disciples not fast? It seems to me this is a very good question. And I would have been interested. I trust that you would be as well. Let me just back up and talk about fasting for a moment. Fasting is to deprive yourself for a time, for a set amount of time, of food. Some people do it often, and some people do it rarely. And I think some people do it not at all. The Lord Jesus teaches us a few things about fasting, and you can find those in the Sermon on the Mount. But you must understand that in the Old Testament, there was really only one commanded fast. Only one commanded fast. And that was a commanded fast for one day. The Day of Atonement, which was one of the holidays, one of the holy days of the Old Covenant. The Bible tells us in Leviticus 16.29, using a form of idiom, a figure of speech, it talks about afflicting your souls, which is a word, which is a, a phrase meaning to fast. This is what it says, and this shall be a statute for you. This is Leviticus 16, verse 29. And this shall be a statute for you, uh, for unto you, Think that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict your souls. That is, you shall fast and do no work at all, whether it be one of your own country or a sojourner that sojourneth among you. The idea here is this one day, especially you, pay, you, take, you, you do no work and you eat nothing. Now that is the old covenant and that is that one that is that one day as far as commanded fast. However, 
The Lord has made it so that should you choose to fast, you certainly may. And there are times when fasting is very, very appropriate. When you are seeking the Lord's will in something that you are very serious about, times of persistent prayer, direct prayer, these are good things to seek God's will. During times of mourning, in one sense we could say in times of mourning, it almost can become easier to fast sometimes when we are deeply afflicted because of circumstances or hardships. We are not hungry. And we could let food pass by us. So there was one commanded day, and there were other days you could do it. Now the Pharisees, the religious group of the time of Jesus, it seems that at least among some of them, maybe all of them, they fasted twice a week. You see, because there is a story in the book of Luke, in the book of Luke, chapter 18, it's a very famous story. The story is of the Pharisee and the tax collector, the Pharisee and the publican. And this is what it says. It tells us a story of a Pharisee, and he comes before the Lord in the temple, and he prays. And he prays a self-congratulatory prayer. And he thanks God that he's not like other men. And then, part of his self-congratulation is that he says, in Luke 18, 12, I fast twice a week, and I give tithes of all that I possess. We, might, we ought to go to the Lord boldly when we pray. But our boldness is not in our own accomplishments. Our boldness is in the grace of God, the kindness of the Lord Jesus, His sacrifice for us, and the fact that we are children of a Father. That is why we ought to go boldly. But here He is going boldly saying what? I fast twice a week. Well, that's over and above. If you're commanded to fast one day a year and you fast twice a week, well, that's, that's a lot. That's 53 extra times. Praise be unto you, Mr. Pharisee. Well, you understand that the publican in Luke chapter uh, 18, he goes, he, go, he, he, he beats his breast and he says, I, I have mercy upon me, a sinner. The Bible tells us and Jesus tells us that the publican went home justified and the Pharisee did not. Remarkable. So that is just fasting, just in general, giving you a, a, a general biblical understanding of fasting. But now, with that in our minds, we come to this passage. The Pharisees fast, likely twice, likely twice a week, most of them, if not all of them. And the disciples of John the Baptist fast. 
Now, it's interesting that it's, in a sense, it's the good guys, the disciples of John the Baptist, and it's the bad guys, the Pharisees. They're being brought together. Why do your disciples not fast? And Jesus says, he says that it is because he is the bridegroom. He says, can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as the bridegroom is, is with them, they cannot fast. What Jesus is saying is that he is the bridegroom. He is the groom. And his disciples are, in a sense, his side of the wedding party. The subtlety may be lost because we have four Gospels and not all of the Gospels say the same thing. But all four Gospels, of course, teach one Gospel. But here's what the Lord Jesus, uh, excuse me, this is what the Lord Jesus is, is referring to. John had called Christ the bridegroom. In John 3, 28 and 29, when John was still being asked, are you the Christ? This is what he says. He says, ye yourselves bear, we, bear me witness that I said, this is John, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which stands and hears him, rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This is my joy, and it is fulfilled. Here's what John is saying. I'm not the Christ. The one who has the bride, that's the bridegroom. Jesus has the bride. This is the church. The church is the bride, and Jesus is the groom. And so Jesus is answering that. He's answering the disciples of John in the framework that John has set. Is it appropriate to fast at a wedding? No, it is not. And then Jesus, in order to further explain what he is meaning, he drives his point home with two illustrations. And these two illustrations are, in a sense, kind of like Proverbs. They're sort of like Proverbs. The first one having to do with cloth, and the second one having to do with wine. And here's what he says. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Or else the new piece pulls away from the old. In other words, whenever you, part, you, you have a, a piece of cloth and it is new, if it's made of certain material, it will shrink. And to put an unshrunk piece and a shrunk piece together, it will cause tension in what you seek to mend. 
And then immediately he goes on to the next. And he says, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Now, we're not accustomed to dealing with wine the way that they are accustomed. I needed to go get a paper towel to wash my, my glasses downstairs, and I happen to see bottles of wine, appropriate glass bottles. Well, we don't need to worry about the things that they needed to worry about because in the time of the Lord Jesus, a bottle was made of leather. And of course, you understand that there are certain chemical things that go on when there's fermentation, when you put juice or uh, certain substances into a place, there's an expansion. You put new wine into new wineskins, if, because if you put them into something that's already expanded, then you risk the burst. What is Jesus saying? Certain things are appropriate for certain times and certain things, other things, are appropriate for other times. We must discern the times and the seasons. What are the times of the Lord Jesus and how should we understand them? Well, really, if we take the teaching of the Lord Jesus, we ought to understand it in this way, that you cannot simply add Jesus Christ and his kingdom to current or past structures of life. You cannot simply do as you do and add a little bit of Jesus because you will cause the tearing and the bursting. Fasting is good. Fasting is very good. It can bring you closer to the Lord. When you cast off for a day or two eating, you have more time to pray and you feel these hunger pains and they remind you to pray. Fasting is good. It is appropriate for times of mourning. But not all good things are always in season, and fasting is not always in season. The uh, Bible tells us about seasons of things. For example, you may be familiar with the book of uh, Ecclesiastes. In the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, we have these wonderful words. Not only are they so poetic, you could almost sing them. Some of you may even have the song in your head. To everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. And on it goes, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and to pluck, a time to kill, a time to heal, to break down and to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance. I could go on. There's a time for this and there's a time for that. 
Both are good things. There's, there's a time to plant. It's good. There's a time to pluck up. But if you confuse planting season and harvest season, you'll be a hungry man. I want to imagine, imagine that there is a man in Grace Reformed Church, and let's just call him Brad. Now, I don't know names well enough. Still learning. So I don't know if there's a Brad here. Forgive me. We'll go with a Brad. All right. So there's, let's just say there's someone Brad. And he has a girlfriend. And then she becomes a fiancé. And then they break up. And Brad is in mourning. So here's what happens. One Saturday, we all see him. And he is wearing a black tie. Now, some Americans don't realize that. You wear a black tie, it's a sign of mourning. Well, the next Saturday, a number of Brad's friends come around and they say, you know what? Let's support our friend Brad. And so that next Saturday, they wear black ties black ties for Brad because they are mourning that his relationship is over. Well, this continues on and on. And eventually, Brad finds another lady. And this one doesn't seem like she will break his heart. And eventually, they become engaged and then, one Saturday, we as his friends go to Brad and we say, Brad, you know what day it is? You know what day of the week it is? Yeah, it is Saturday. Okay. Why are you not wearing a black tie, Brad? And why are you hanging out with these guys who are not? And he says, this is my wedding day. Why would I be wearing a black tie? I'm no longer wearing that. But we continue to insist, you should be wearing a black tie, Brad. It's Saturday. You understand that when you're in conflict with someone, you can continue to insist on something, even if he said no. And imagine a situation like that. You create a scene at his wedding. You should be wearing a black tie. No, my bride has chosen green and blue for our wedding. You see, <clears throat> it's appropriate to mourn. And it is appropriate to celebrate. But you don't mourn and you don't fast at a wedding This is kind of the absurdity of these men who come to the Lord Jesus and ask, why do the disciples of Jesus not fast? Because the ministry of John the Baptist and the ministry of the Lord Jesus were two separate ministries. 
The ministry of John the Baptist was a ministry of anticipation. A ministry of coming before the Lord Jesus and paving the way for him. The ministry of the Lord Jesus was not a ministry of anticipation. It was a ministry of fulfillment. And to confuse those is to cause a tear and to cause a bursting. But the ministry of the Pharisees, that was a ministry of me, a ministry of me, myself, and I, a ministry of self-righteousness. To fast while Jesus is present is to confuse the times. It would be like confusing, once again, harvest time and planting. It would be to confuse the time of fulfillment with the time of anticipation. And so the Lord Jesus explains it, and he drives his point home. But you must understand that Jesus understands the season because no more than does he explain the season of joy and happiness but then he immediately goes into the time of despair can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them as long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. These are days of happiness and joy. These are days of eating and drinking, feasting. But he says this, but the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them and then they will fast in those days, what is Jesus talking about? Jesus is talking about the time when he would be taken away and he would be crucified. When he would suffer for their sins, for your sins and for mine. The time when the Lord Jesus was taken away to be punished for the sins of the world, those were not days of feasting. Those were days of fasting. Zechariah thirteen seven says, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd and against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered, and I will turn mine hand upon the little ones. The ministry of the Lord Jesus, a time of joy likened unto a wedding, but always going to that place in Jerusalem, setting his face like flint toward Jerusalem, that he might suffer and die for us. Notice that the Old Covenant has the one day 
which is the day of fasting, the affliction of soul. And what was that day? That was the day of atonement. This is not a coincidence, for it is the time when the Lord Jesus was atoning for the sins of Peter, for the sins of the disciples and yours and mine, that it was a time of great sorrow and great mourning. Jesus was taken from them and he was treated as a common criminal. He was beaten and bloodied for you and for me. Isaiah 53, 8, he was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people. Was he stricken? He was stricken to atone for your sins and to atone for mine and for the sins of the world. It is absurd, Christian, to misunderstand the times. It is absurd. After the Lord Jesus came into the world, suffered and died for us, the disciples, they found themselves in the time of overlap. You realize that the time of the Old Covenant and the time of the New Covenant, these did not go from one day to the next. In other words, you, you wake up one day and you say, hey, it's the Old Covenant. And you live that day and then you work. And then you go to bed, you wake up and you say, hey, it's the new covenant. It wasn't that drastic. Really, in a sense, there's an overlap where the old covenant is passing away and the new covenant is in place as well. The writer to the Hebrews, the last verse of chapter 8, he says, that which is waxing old, that which is passing away, it's, it's passing away. It's going bye-bye. You'll see it no more. But of course, there were always those who desired to hold on to those old covenant ideas. Even when the new covenant was in place, the, 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 the apostle Paul, years later, would write to the Galatians. What were the Galatians dealing with? There were some who wanted to keep circumcision and they wanted to keep Old Testament feasts and festivals. And Paul is arguing that Jesus has come and Jesus has suffered and died and we don't need these Old Covenant feasts anymore. And he says, in, uh, Paul says in Galatians 4, 10, he says, you observe days and months and seasons and years. He says, I am afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. 
What is it? What is it to continue in Old Testament, Old Covenant ways when the New Covenant has come, when the Old Covenant is passing away? Well, it's to pour new wine into old wineskins. Something very similar, Paul writes to Colossians, Colossians 2, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of any holy day or of the new moon or of Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. In other words, these were shadow things. These were things that anticipated the coming of Christ. But the body has come. Jesus has come. What can you do that your shadow cannot do? Young people, can your shadow shoot a basketball? Can your shadow ride a bike? No, it cannot. But you can do so because you have a body. And the same is with the Lord Jesus. Those things were shadows. Now the body, the substance has come. A shadow cannot atone for your sins. But the body can atone for your sins. <clears throat> To continue in Old Testament feasts and Old Testament festivals would be like one year later going to Brad on his one year anniversary and say, Brad, we're still wearing black ties for you. It would be absurd. Well, we don't have time. Let me just say, there are all sorts of perversions in our day that we must look out for. Some people will look to us and they'll say, you know, <clears throat> that preacher you have, and seemingly all your preachers, they dress kind of plainly. Drab suits at best. You know, some, some churches, they have flowing gowns and robes. We don't call our preachers pastors. We call them priests. And some people might even come to you and almost cause you to, to have some envy of that, you know. Their worship is filled with smells and bells. All sorts of colors and keeping of seasons. This would be, once again, black ties for Brad. Even if such a church continues in such things, even if it had one billion people, it would still be keeping the shadows. The substance has come. There are also, I think as a result of the internet, a number of people out there I ran into them when I first became a believer. And I seem to run into them in the prison. But it's common. 
there's a movement afoot, a number of people, they say, listen, we need to go back to the roots of Christianity, to the Hebrew roots, to the Hebrew roots. We need to keep Saturday, not Sunday. We need to avoid pork and shrimp and tragically crab and lobster. And we need to keep the Old Testament feasts. Once again, this is, this is to confuse things. We must stand against these things. Correct our friends when they fall for these things. Brothers and sisters, we must ever be on the lookout for those who are confusing the times. And we must not confuse the times ourselves. This is the new covenant age. This is the day of salvation. This is the day that we must call upon the Lord Jesus with full understanding, full knowledge of who he is and the beauty of the atonement no longer in shadows of the old covenant, but in the substance of the new people of God. Embrace the fullness of Christ and do not settle for any substitute that confuses the ages. Let us confess Christ our Savior in this, the new covenant age. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we come to you this day so grateful, so grateful for the mysterious words of the Lord Jesus. But as we meditate upon them, they become clear to us. And as we meditate upon them, as we meditate upon him, he becomes all that more glorious, all that much more wonderful in our eyes. And so we praise you this day for Jesus Christ, and we praise you for the Lord's Day, this day that you have ordained, and the feast which is before us, the reading and preaching of the gospel, and also the sign and seal which is given to us in the sacrament. Help us, O Lord, to cast off old covenant ways and to more and more take on the glories of the new covenant in all of its wonder and expanding glory. For truly you have said that the increase of his government, there shall be no end. May it increase in our hearts and in our minds this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.